saying. It's been off limits since Big Earl smoked Danger Dust and he ate my mom's parakeet. Come here. I think I have a way out of this. We uh, call the police and we have them send over one of their sketch artists. <laughs> and Miss Ballbreaker can give a description. <laughs> And welcome to Doubled Feature, the podcast without twin films. I'm Dan. Fucked up. <laughs> I literally got a text back as you were like starting to it. talk. Sorry, no, do it again, do it again. You need to respond. No, I don't. I can't. Yeah. It's not important. I I was looking. It just away. it was a, it was enough to distract me. And it was I, like, I had I had looked away and I'm turning my head back and I just see you mad rush back <laughs> to the microphone. God damn. <laughs> It's tough. It was literally just enough to just like make me forget where I was for long enough that I was like, I gotta do this again. Yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe just maybe I just keep all of this in. Fuck. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let you, I'm gonna come back in clean, but yeah, I'll yeah, let yeah. you decide in the edit what's uh, yeah, what's yeah. staying in. I'll listen back to it and maybe it's funny. I don't know. Maybe you're hearing all of this right now. Who knows? <laughs> it's too much at this point. I'll be cut some of this. <laughs> anyway, let me come back in clean. Replay the intro music too. Welcome to Double Feature, the podcast about twin films. I'm Dan. I'm Max. Max, we're coming in giggly. Got it in. Got <laughs> Whether it in or not one. they heard, we, we fucked up this one. opening so hard. Um, yeah, you're Max. This is a podcast about twin films, whatever. I already said that. Now you got me flustered. I was doing fine. Now I'm fucked up. Anyway, um, yeah, we're going to talk about some movies today. Uh, Here we are. Have, have you watched any? I have, and you're going to be excited about one of them, so I'm going to save that for my second. But I watched... Uh, Dan, you know this. Ali was here, friend of the podcast. Ali, he he hasn't been on an episode, probably won't, but he he definitely listens every week. Yeah, he, I've asked him before if he once wanted to be on. He's our good friend. We probably invoke him from time to time, but he's just like, yeah. no, I don't really want to do that. I'm like, oh, okay, man. <laughs> I, I mean, all, I don't blame all right. <laughs> um, but he came. Yeah, up, I respect that. He came up to Charlotte this previous weekend, and we were hanging out. We went to some wrestling events. That was cool, um, and. Uh, we were just kind of hanging out one of the mornings. I got off work and he came home and he was like, I was like, what are you watching? He was like, oh, I just started this movie. And he had put on, uh, I mean, honestly, kind of weird movie to just be like, I'm going to throw this on at noon on a Friday. But uh, Incantation, the, uh, I think, Taiwanese or Japanese. Hold on, I'm going to get this right. So I'll like go to a movie or like catch a movie sometimes and stuff, but he's not... He doesn't strike me as a just throw on a movie guy. Hey, he had thrown it on. It's um a he said win in row. Letterbox is not helping me here. I'll get it for you guys. Don't worry. But Incantation, it's a found footage movie that um came out last year um to Netflix. Ah. 
Um, you know, I don't like these found footage. You movies. don't like um, it's Chinese, or at least the language is Chinese. So I'm assuming it's a Chinese movie. Um, and Taiwanese. I was right the first time. We did it. Taiwanese nailed it. This is a clean episode. It's, Very clean it, episode. It's, it's good you got that figured out. So you didn't say <laughs> you didn't you didn't make a hard stance on whether or not Taiwan is China. Yeah, no, Taiwan is its own thing. Um, and it was good. Um, I had heard a lot about it that it was like super super scary. Um, and I don't know if it would necessarily live up to the super super scary moniker. Um, some of that probably has to do with watching it at noon having like just gotten off of work um but definitely like very good found footage um it's like the kind of like found footage where it's like at at times it's definitely like presenting like it's you know somebody found all of this and like put it together um but then it never really tells you any sort of like frame narrative or like who this is like who put it together in its entirety kind of thing and how you're seeing it blah 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 but um really good um some really really kind of tense scary moments um so if, you, if you're a fan of found footage or just horror movies in general like I, I i don't know if i have any complaints about it at all um at least no no major ones none worth talking about so i got a complaint it. yeah i got a complaint it's that it's found footage yeah I they're know, never good it, always at some point I, they have to oh. be like oh wait let me pick up the camera <laughs> yeah i mean that's just kind of like a thing but like i would say like incantations like really good um ganjiam haunted asylum super super good did you ever see the medium the medium it's a, it's a, it's a thai uh found footage horror movie from a year or two ago i did not know it's pretty good in that they're like not doing all of the cliches and then at the end, like the climax of the movie, they do the cliches so fucking hard that it, there's yeah. literally a, a part in the uh, uh, the finale, kind of the climax, where uh, uh evil character says, uh, let me watch you, just so they can take the camera, camera. away from them. And then, like, you see the person be get disemboweled. It's like, God fucking damn it. Uh, you guys had me for a while here. Neroy, the curse really good um i'm always a big fan of the hell house movies and i i like found footage i mean it's kind of like as somebody that watches like is like hack as this is probably gonna sound to say and i hate to say it at all is like as somebody who watches just primarily horror movies like not everything in a horror movie will scare me all the time and like found footage movies are the one sort of like subgenre that will consistently get sort of that just a chill running down my spine kind of thing um that I don't necessarily get from other like or at least consistently from other like horror subgenres. So um Actually you've given I'm me a perfect segue. Yeah, go for um, it. Um horror movies don't scare me often anymore. Um, it, it, you, I think made fun of me when I was very scared of the cure before you saw it. I said the cure, but I just meant cure. Sure. The Did I, cure, but. I, I gotta say, I, I think I did poke fun at you, but I, it, as somebody who is such like, I'm, you know, so into horror movies, 
and being such good friends with you and kind of watching you go through <laughs> your sort of like horror journey. Uh, yeah. I, I'm always so excited when you tell me like you watched a movie and it scared the shit out of you. Cause like yeah. I get to kind of like live vicariously through you in those moments of like <laughs> knowing exactly like what you felt like and it, how it like seldom fun really that happens. can be. Yeah. It seldom happens anymore. Um, like I used to be too scared. Of, I mean, people might not know this only like a year or two before we started the podcast, did I start to like even dip my toe yeah. into horror movies? Really, I had seen like some big ones, and I mostly didn't like even a lot of big ones. I was one of those assholes who's like, "Oh, I fucking hate jump scares." He, it's I only like cerebral stuff. The Shining's the best horror movie. And I mean, The Shining's still yeah, one of the yeah, best I movies. Mean, <laughs> but, uh, that not not for that dumbass reason. I don't know, just being contrarian because. Yeah, love horror movies now. Um, I kind of uh, bailed on my own segue, but uh, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it, but uh, watch the movie skin a rink Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to... Uh, I got to watch that super, super soon. You got uh, it. Whether I go to theaters or just watch it at home. I'm, this, I'm, is, I'm, this is for, not just for you, but also the listener. Uh, you got to watch this movie like at night with the lights out. You got to give it your complete undivided attention the whole time. Uh, If it doesn't completely soak you in, it's going to be worthless. Uh, The movie doesn't care about plotting or like form. You're mostly most cameras, like most shots in the movie are just kind of like at an angle in a room where something is or is not even happening. There's a lot of just like, long silent scenes uh like i said looking at nothing at all uh doesn't make a ton of sense uh it's i mean the general just like synopsis of the movie not not synopsis but just like the the vague elevator pitch of what it is is uh the two kids wake up in their house and uh all the doors and windows have disappeared um and uh, i mean Shit goes crazy. You never even see the kids. Uh, I'm not even sure I like the movie, uh, but it scared <laughs> the shit out of me at certain points. Um, uh, horrifically reminiscent of like nightmares in my childhood. Uh, I this is the first movie I I rated on Letterbox. I wrote a written review and did not give a star rating because uh, I couldn't. Um, I, I texted Kool-Aid after it was done and asked him why he gave the movie the star rating he gave it. And he said, I don't know. It just felt right. And I said, yeah, I get that. Um, wild, wild one. Uh, I mean, you got to see it. I don't know if the general public needs to see it. Uh, yeah, but yeah this movie's it's, crazy. It's definitely like being... It, I would say it's a very divisive movie uh in terms of like how people just are kind of reacting to it i is divisive to me believe it or like, not just, like you're just not, to me yeah you're not the only person though that i've also heard basically give a sort of similar response in in either like I feel like I should have loved this and I think a part of me does, but at the same time it did nothing for me kind of thing. Where it's like it did stuff like, for me, but it also wasted my time. 
Yeah, but, but like even while it's wasting my time, I understand that that serves the greater point of the movie. Like you're getting into like infinitesimal, like uh, you're stuck in like a purgatory like state in this house with these kids and you're you're forced to like live through it even though you're bored you can't you can't even pause this fucker and pee ahead of time yeah because like i mean just i have just from the people i follow on letterboxd i have ranging from half star all the way up to five right. um so <laughs> I, i'm looking forward i'm trying i'm seeing. trying to decide uh which one of those i am Still just, I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to agonize over this. I'm just going to not rate it. Um, do you got another one? Because I've got one that I can very mildly use as a segue into. We should talk about uh, a, a, a really similar movie. A really sk- similar to Skinamarink that I watched. Okay. 1997's As Good As It Gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson wakes up and all of his doors and windows are gone. <laughs> you ever seen? Uh, and then he as good falls as it in gets. love with Diane Lane. Holly Hunt. Uh, 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 fucking not Holly Hunter. Um, what's her name from the uh, Helen Hunt? God, Helen Hunt. I, I had I had the double H right, but uh, did do Diane Lane and Helen Hunt even look similar enough as human people? No, but I mean they're probably like. Around the same age, maybe fifty-eight. Yeah, Diane Lane's Diane Lane's in one of those Jack Nicholson ones, though. Like, um, is it something's got to give? No, that's Diane hey, Keaton. They're, they're almost exactly the same age. Look okay, at that. So they're, they're just like contemporary nice ladies of a time. Yeah. Uh, you ever seen as good as it gets? I've not. No. Um, I'm I'm just watching it because eventually. I'm going to get up to the James L. Brooks part of uh, Blank Check podcast. And oh, okay. So I'm, I'm just doing some easy watching. Um, this is one I never wanted to watch, even though I like Jacko a lot, because uh, I thought it was a rom-com. And then the movie starts up, and it's a movie about uh, uh, Jack Nicholson is uh, like OCD to the extent of being like disabled. Uh, like can't walk down the street like he he can't speak to people properly at the beginning of the movie Uh, his gay neighbor Greg Kinnear uh, gets a home invasion beat up into the hospital by Skeet Ulrich and Jamie Kennedy (laughs) and then uh, 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 Jack Nicholson has to take care of his dog but that part like barely even matters because uh, he's like doing for like most like three quarters of the movie there's no rom-com and then all of a sudden there's a romance subplot between jack nicholson and helen hunt and fucking uh freaked me the fuck out uh there's some problematic stuff in this movie uh uh he he definitely says the s slur about greg kinnear at some point Um, that's no fun i don't know why cuba gooding jr is even in the movie i can't really tell what he's he's doing but he's nice and smooth looking uh this movie's great though this you just you watch the whole thing and you're having a blast watching it uh they they don't make them like this anymore just uh an adult comedy that's like 
It's just fun. This is like the most hangout feel. I love a hangout movie. I love a movie that just just hang out watching it. Sure. And this is the rom com version of that. Uh, plus, uh, Jack Nicholson says noodle salad a bunch of times. He's like, Good times noodle salad. He loves saying that. <laughs> All right. It's like, like the famous line from this movie is good time noodle salad. Right. I'm doing Duke Nukem a little bit when I'm trying to do Jack Nicholson. Hey, I'm Jack do, right? Nicholson. Shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, I'm going to talk about a movie that's actually super similar to the movies that we watched this uh, week. Um, it also came out in 1981. Uh, of course, I am talking about the movie Possession. Um, starring Sam oh, Neill. Wow. <laughs> so so similar. Um, finally, this movie is available to be seen. I fucking love this movie. It's on Shutter. I'm glad you yep. saw it. That's why uh, I watched it. Look, what a what a um, picture. It was another movie that Ali and I watched. We came back. How did from, Ali feel about Possession? Uh, Ali loved fuck? it. What the? He fuck? was having a great time. Uh, yeah, came back from. Um, you know, a funny story how this all came about. Uh, came came back from uh, seeing a wrestling event where uh, we possibly watched a man get paralyzed. Uh, true story. Um, had had a nice shrimp burrito standing in my kitchen from a local restaurant uh, favorite, Sabor. And uh, all to just find out that one of the cats had pissed on the bed Ali had been sleeping in. <laughs> So I had to do some laundry real quick. I said, Ali, we'll watch, let's hang out. We'll watch a movie and drink some beers. Ali blaming uh, the cats for his piss mistakes. <laughs> so, so I was like, you know what? I'm watching Possession. I don't really care what Ali thinks at this point. Uh, we had I think, a blast. I think this movie is fucking incredible. But It's so uh, good. Uh, not what I would in in the situation you're describing. Definitely nope, not nope. the movie I would throw on personally. I I did not know. Uh, you had been very cagey about any details about going into it, and I had purposefully not looked up any details going into it. Uh, what an insane fucking roller coaster of just like, <laughs> yeah. Talk about like something like Skinnerink that's like. I, I mean, I know Skinnerink is basically like plot non-existent but like possession at times just is kind of we're just going from like scene to scene there's we don't you don't know how much time is going like is passing between any given uh scene there's not really much indicator on like when stuff is like flashbacks or not um very sort of like loose with its plot progression in a kind of a breakneck speed as well Despite the movie uh, telling you, uh, if you choose to believe it, that there is some sort of possession uh, happening, yeah, uh, you start out this movie and you'd be foolish to think anything's gone on. It it just feels like a kitchen sink family drama for yeah, for yeah. the first little bit about just a man's life falling apart. It, it takes about like forty five minutes to think you're not just watching a guy basically like come home to his wife to find out that she is seeing another person and wants a divorce and his sort of just like spiral into madness as he tries to cope with that and then uh between uh, i'm I'm not gonna i don't want to spoil anything here because i think it's a movie that you should go into as blind as possible if you can for like a 1981 movie that's pretty well regarded but um 
it is available. It's it's like, been really hard to right see now, for so. a long time. So I mean, odds are a lot of people haven't been able to see it. Uh, yeah, it being I mean, on you can, Shutter right now. You can uh, watch awesome. it on uh, AMC Plus or Shutter. Um, if you have those subscriptions, between it's very uh, worth Possession, it. Event Horizon, and In the Mouth of Madness, who fucking knew that Sam Neill was so good at uh, the movie being over and him just succumbing to madness? Like <laughs> just going for <laughs> movies, movies done with just a cut on him, and he is just going crazy in some way. Or is it him? <laughs> or or oh. him? I mean, but Dan, why don't you why don't you tell people what movies we watched this week? Yeah, everybody run don't want to see possession. Uh, I mean, content warning. There's maybe some uh, tough stuff, but uh, one of yeah, the one uh, of the one of the best scenes <laughs> in most movies is Isabella Adjani, uh, the uh, uh, subway scene. Subway, yeah, uh, just going absolutely just insane, ruining all the groceries. God, she's so good. Yeah, dude. Um, Great, great picture. Go see that immediately. Um, yeah, just it's pretty much exactly like Possession, uh, mm-hmm. the two movies that we watched. Yeah. Uh, the hey, they two... came out the same year. We could have done Possession with either one of these two movies. <laughs> That's not true at all, just so you guys know. Uh, <laughs> on the yeah, somehow you haven't looked at the name of this episode. <laughs> uh, we watched uh, two sex. I put in parentheses here uh, in quotes comedies because... Uh, you you could probably <laughs> the level of comedy is light to a certain to a certain extent you could put probably sex in uh, quotations too because there's either not a lot happening <laughs> or inexplicably headier things are at foot. <laughs> yeah, these movies are wild. I'll just just say that right now. Um, so yeah, both are sex comedies portraying teen boys trying to lose their virginity. Uh, they're Porky's and The Last American Version. Um, I will tell you about The Last American Virgin, 1982, directed by Boaz Davidson, starring Lawrence Monison, Diane Franklin, Steve Anton, Joe Rubbo, Louisa Moritz. Uh, we follow a high school trio of boys trying and failing to get laid. Gary is an average student and pizza delivery boy. Uh, Rick is much cooler and does much better with the ladies, and David is their fat friend who is still cooler than Gary. <laughs> Outside of their schemes to get laid, uh, Gary has fallen madly in love with the new transfer student, Karen, but she quickly falls for Rick instead. Late in the movie, Rick takes Karen's virginity and Karen becomes pregnant. Gary and Rick fight and Gary decides to pay for her abortion. Uh, Gary confesses his love to her and it seems she reciprocates. The next week at Karen's birthday party, Gary finds Karen making out with Rick in the kitchen. Silently, he leaves the party alone and drives home crying. (laughs) I can't wait to... Uh, talk more about the ending of this movie yeah uh, i got some i got some stuff about just this movie in general yeah uh, yeah <laughs> don't worry i got plenty of stuff <laughs> for whatever reason i know porky's better like i watched porky's a couple of times I've as a kid porky's, and like yeah. really remember it um both of us really latched on the last American Virgin, and it's <laughs> it's insane but we're not we'll we'll get there a little later i think it's um, it's, it's because like it we'll get to it but last american yeah. virgin does some stuff that Porky's it just does not mm-hmm. do for some, <laughs> and I wonder why. Because <laughs> um, it's insane. Uh, I could not find a budget for this movie, and it only made five point eight million at the box office. Uh, it's got a letterboxed average rating of three point two. 
uh, just insanely generous Rotten Tomatoes critic of 77 and user of 65. Maybe they got the same uh, twisted enjoyment we got out of it. Yeah, I do not know. I guess so. Uh, Porky's also directed, uh, or directed, it was directed in 1981, thank you very much, by Bob Clark. Uh, it stars... This man said Bob Clark. <laughs> well, you said immersion, so... <laughs> thank you for uh, not interrupting me. I'm not going to be yeah, as you're nice. Fine. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, it stars Dan Manahan, Mark Harrier, Wyatt Knight, Roger Wilson, Cyril O'Reilly, and welcome back, Tony Janios. You were in The Wanderers. You were also a massive Italian. Oh, yeah, he's meat in this one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, had, I had him written down there. I said he's my guy. That's a, that's a boy from The Wanderers. <laughs> uh, it and guess what? I'm not going to tell you any of these people's character names, at least not right now, because they are all in scenes with each other at all times. Uh, what can only be described as a roving gang of high school horn dogs makes their way around a fictional Miami Beach high school looking for chicks and playing fun pranks on each other like the timeless classic drive your friends into a swamp where a sex worker roasts them mercilessly about their dicks in a rundown cabin and then you and a couple of the other guys make everyone else think you've been killed with a machete by your husband. Guys being dudes. When the gang goes out to the swamps to the legendary Porky's to try and buy some tail, Porky and everyone else make fun of them and tricks them out on out of a hundred bucks, dropping them through a trap door. This makes one of the boys furious and he vows to go back every night to beat up everyone at the bar. But that plot takes a backseat for a while until the boy shows up back <laughs> shows back up beaten half to death. Meanwhile, the guys look through peepholes at girls showering. One of their basketball coaches has loud sex with a co-worker. And one of the guys even learns a valuable lesson about racial and cultural sensitivity and finally stands up to his abusive dad. But let's go back to the half-dead kid for a second. New kid in the group devises a scheme where they will literally destroy the plot Porky's. Of Porky's is so fucking insane. <laughs> New kid in the group devises a scheme where they will literally destroy Porky's and sink it into the swamp on which it's built. They pull it off but have to race back over county lines where they've thrown a party and are safely in the protection of their local police department, who strong arms Porky and his boys back to the swamps. Porky's has a critic rating of 34 and an audience rating of 57 on Rotten Tomatoes. And it uh, has a 2.7 average rating on Letterboxd. It had a $2.5 million budget and grossed uh, a little over $111 million. Um, I don't know if that's... We I don't know if we've talked about this. Like, I wonder like for how long do they record box office draw of Porky's? Because that even seems like a lot of money just in... 1981 like theatrical run times but yeah definitely what does. do i know um yeah, yeah I, imagine, I, I can't imagine specifically says box office so yeah i, I don't know i imagine home theater home like video is not in that but it seems like a big home video one like, yeah we wonder, but on like, VHS any, like when i was a kid major like re-releases of the movies i wonder if those are counted at some point that Either that way. would count i mean Either way. for sure um, um yeah, Porky's, Porky's is an insane we, movie. Uh, thank you, Tony Janios, for just being in two of the most buck wild uh, synopsises I've been able to write. Uh, uh, the Shout Wanderers out the Wanderers. was insane too. Yeah, um, yeah. So this this movie it's a Florida movie. Um, looks it. like they're in real Florida. Uh, yeah, it looks look like it was shooting like shot locations in but, Miami Beach. You can probably go uh, down there and see a lot of those like same buildings. It's uh, so yeah, they're in a town. It's 1954. They're in a town called Angel Beach, a fictitious town. Uh, apparently, it's loosely supposed to be uh, Fort Lauderdale, Gulfport, and Oakland Park. Um, but yeah, looks 
looks Miami Beach. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Porky seems like it's like a <clears throat> like Central Inland Florida, bio, Okeechobee. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, another weird one directed by Bob Clark here. Um, I love uh, to point out that Bob Clark directed both Black Christmas and A Christmas Story. Uh, he also directed Porky's. He also directed the Baby Geniuses uh, series of films. <laughs> Just uh, a yeah, wild career. <clears throat> we um, we mentioned him uh, briefly in uh, our Killer Santa robot movie, the one on Shudder, because um, the, the dumb bitch hipster uh, girl also points out that Bob Clark directed Black Christmas. Um, but can't can't help myself. Um, movie opens up with one of our one of our many boys. I'm There's pro- so I'm, many of them, I'm, and like I'm probably just gonna have to just just say the boys. There's too many fucking boys in this movie. Dear listener, please understand when I mention like I mentioned in my synopsis that I'm not gonna name all these kids because there are maybe two scenes in the entire movie that they aren't at least three of them together. Like it's never just an individual that is like with them. It's, they are a unit the entire time, except for this opening scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When we have, we we open on Pee Wee. Uh, His real name is Edward. They call him Pee Wee because he's a little guy. Uh, He wakes up with a boner. His mom comes in and sees his boner. Uh, he's uh, he's measuring his boner uh with a ruler he has uh next to his uh his bed and uh logging it in a journal he has a growth chart and he's mad because it's getting shorter uh, i i i'd imagine peewee it's because you just got scared by your mom but uh, <laughs> i don't know man um so peewee's on his way to school meets up with our big ensemble of guys um they are talking about this plan uh that max was talking about uh where they have found a local sex worker uh who dates a big black guy uh no it doesn't even date him the it's they found a local sex worker and then one of the guys has like paid one of the dudes from his dad's construction job to meet them there Oh, okay. Uh, they have nothing to do with each other? No, they yeah, introduce her okay. to him when he comes in. They're like, hey, okay. Cherry, this is Conklin. And he's like, I guess hey, that's how's it going? true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, uh, one of their friends here is more of a redneck than the others, and he immediately calls this guy the N-word. Uh, they uh, they make fun of him for being a stupid redneck uh, and explain you have to either say colored or negro, which uh, don't say either of those either, but it was the <laughs> 50s, and I think those were... Uh, actually what you were supposed to say back then i don't i don't know um i've yeah i don't it's i and i think you and i said it to each other but like these movies at least culturally do not hold up oh yeah there's any capacity there yeah you could not the classic thing about you couldn't make these anymore you definitely couldn't make these anymore Um, no and i don't know why you would want to um (laughs) yeah no, no 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 um Porky's luckily leaves a lot of the bad sex stuff and uh, just lucks into the fact that it's white guys fighting against redneck white guys uh, for the main yeah, uh, kind of. bit of the runtime. So there's less time. Uh, there's still plenty. They find plenty of time for it, but to uh, uh, 
be misogynistic and shitty and whatnot. Whereas uh, uh, Last American Virgin, unfortunately, devotes its entire runtime to getting laid in different ways. So uh, probably probably even more cancelable. But uh, there's some definitely problematic stuff in both of these. Um, they are making fun of Pee Wee because he went on a date with like the main girl that keeps coming around. Uh, and she went to open his pants and he was already wearing a condom in his pants, which is, uh, <laughs> hilarious. It's, very funny, yeah. <laughs> it's so, so funny to try to do this. Pee-wee's just like bouncing around. He's the horniest little fucker. Uh, he wants to get laid so bad. Um, he's, he's the prototypical, no, I'm never going to get laid. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't think you have American Pie without these movies. No, I mean, uh, you don't even have Superbad without these movies that's, that's like, probably true man um like if you like if you were really to like boil it down like super bad is not too far off like kind of porkies where it's like everyone thinks of like porkies is like the quintessential like 1980s like sex comedy but again like no one i don't know if anyone actually has sex at any point it's kind of just like hapless horny uh, P- dudes P- P- doing does in the last scene of the movie that's true yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, sorry for the spoilers about Pee Wee's arc. But uh, at this of, point, he's still shit upon. Sorry, go ahead. It, it's kind of like uh, like super bad, where it's like they're trying to get laid, but it's mostly them just kind of being like bumbly, horny kids the entire right. time. Just minus um, a subplot where they get into you know a cross county gang war, essentially. The, the, the best, the best part of the movie yeah, is that they do a mini roadhouse. Um, uh, yeah, we you already brought up meat. He's their giant friend. Apparently, he's got a huge dick. Um, they show uh, uh, Pee Wee this hard boiled egg prank where they act like they're smashing an egg in his face, but it turns out it's hard boiled. Um, so they they have him do it to meat, and he does it, but they've switched it up on him, and he smashes a a normal uncooked egg onto meat. And, uh, me chases after him that's this is this is fun stuff this is the this is the good part yeah and you actually um, like kind of learn throughout the movie that even though like they pick on peewee a lot like he's he's legitimately one of the guys like it, they're they're just right. like a very yeah, close friend group they're all on the basketball team together like it's not just like well it's not like mclovin and super bad where like they kind of tolerate him and he kind of comes around like uh Pee-wee's just straight up their guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, so they're they're in gym class. They're like practicing playing basketball and stuff. Uh, one of the coaches is talking about how bad he wants to fuck uh, one of the female coaches, who's a, uh, a very young Kim Cattrall. Uh, yeah. The older, more experienced coach is uh, telling him that. Uh, uh, Something about like she's a junkyard dog or something. Yeah, it men- <laughs> I forget, keeps mentioning I how keeps mentioning that they like she's got the nickname Lassie, but he won't tell him why and just says mm-hmm. like get him get her upstairs to the like locker like the men- the boys locker room and you're, like you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, it's just wild stuff. Which um, that becomes he- like a I, I it, you almost get like too much payoff to just call it a running joke but it's also not enough to be a subplot but we do get like entire scenes dedicated to like we see them like flirting in the stairwell later on and then you have them like the payoff of the joke and 
literally like actual fallout and ramification to that for some reason mm-hmm. um also this runtime is 90 minutes so like it's wild how much stuff happens yeah it it, it is interesting to say if this is a subplot or not because like yeah depending on your how you identify a subplot this movie either has like 30 of them or like one one yeah <laughs> it's like it's, it's hard to <laughs> Yeah, it I mean, almost it, feels like a variety show or something. There's just scenes happening, <laughs> different it, stuff going on. It's literally hard to like quantify because you all you get like too much payoff to all of these little things for them to just be running gags yeah. that just kind of happen in the background. Speaking of background jokes, uh, there's um, like militant, ugly, older uh, female coach whose name is Miss Ballbreaker, uh, and then like the older. Uh, male coach is coach good enough. I don't know why. Uh, that's really even a joke, but I don't know. It's kind of funny. That that's <laughs> his name. Uh, the uh, shitty redneck dude from earlier. His name is Kavanaugh. Um, I'm just finding my note now that says that. Uh, he is already at this point talking shit to uh, Brian, the Jewish kid uh, on the team, who he is calling a kite. Uh, no, no, I don't need to be censored because he is saying kite He's instead saying of kite. the instead yeah. of the slur. Um, I can't believe that uh, the hole in the shower is already coming up at minute fourteen of this movie. Uh, but the girls don't have just off of it. yeah they they've just left, but they are trying to look through the hole in the into the girls' shower. Um, it's all right, they, insane that like that is what this movie is most remembered about to the point where like it is on the fucking cover of the movie and it you they look through it twice once and like you we just said nobody's in the shower they've just missed him and that's the whole like thing like ah look at him being horny we just and set a second up that time, there's a hole here but it's not important we no, can just find out about it when it happens later and then the second time when there's actually girls in the shower and it's like an entirely way too long scene that only serves to set up another entirely way too long scene of one joke and then a payoff of that joke at the very, very, very end of the movie where it's like almost the last thing that happens. It's And then um, like that is the lasting legacy of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me that Bob Clark, the writer-director <laughs> of uh, uh, Baby Geniuses, He's making some weird decisions in this, uh, the plotting of this movie. I can't believe it. Um, the boys are driving out to the middle of nowhere to take turns fucking an exotic dancer. Um, <laughs> they, uh, uh, there's kind of two lead guys whose names we never get, uh, but they're just kind of the two uh, who, like, I don't know if they're the coolest in the group, but they're at least they seem to be the ones in charge of of the mob of boys for the most part um don't know their names <laughs> i think it's it looked, billy and tommy could be i know tommy <laughs> tommy's one of them because he's like the he's the guy who puts his dick through the hole later on um in the movies and they're kind of yeah they're kind of just like the guys that yeah there's no main character in the movie. So no, there's tough. no, there's not a main character. It's, it's a big ensemble. Um, I would say it's me. I don't know. I can't even say that it's Pee Wee the most. There, I mean, there's no, there's no real answer. It's, it's an ensemble. 
Um, but uh, these two have uh, booked this exotic dancer uh, so that all their boys can uh, uh, fuck her in a row. And it's like 12 guys. And um, they insist uh, that everyone get naked because she has to uh, visually inspect them all for VD. Um, so here I'll just stand there uh, getting naked. Uh, her, oh, her name's Cherry Forever, which is a great stripper name. Great name in general. Um, they, uh, she comically, as you mentioned, uh, makes fun of all their dicks. Uh, uh, they take him up. I wrote down the quote of, uh, uh, they take her up to Pee Wee and she like squints at his dick. Uh, they say, this is Pee Wee. And she says, I'll say, what did you see? She's like fast talking, like really making fun of him, like doing oh, it's material. Like, it's she like says, they what gave he her... use for a j- Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like an insult comic. She says, what does he use for a jockstrap, a peanut shell and a rubber band? She says, an insane image. Uh, might have to tie a board across his ass. He's liable to fall in. And uh, he starts getting heated up, and she says, uh, save your energy, needle dick. You're going to need it. <laughs> it, is, it is like so they good. gave her notes to right. prep. <laughs> it's like she's faster than any human could ever like i don't care you know put put the wittiest insult comic in front of these kids and she is beating them to every single punchline <laughs> i she gets to meet and just looks at him and goes my god he's deformed <laughs> because his dick is so big because his dick's so big and then uh to further emphasize how big it is when she gets back into the room and they're like starting to set up the like prank part, she looks at Tommy and is like, no, like really like that kid's deformed. Like something's wrong with him. <laughs> like she's legitimately concerned about his cock. Very funny. Um, they make fake sex noises. Uh, so you think that the boys who are in on it are uh, taking their turns first. Um, Pee Wee is explaining uh, sloppy seconds and like, I forget what he says, like thirsty thirds and like flappy fourths and whatever. He's like going yeah. all the way down in all of the numbers. Slippy, slippy sloppy sixth or something like that. It's... Yeah. Um, I don't know that he does sloppy twice, but it's, but yeah, it's he's... slippery something. I'll try and yeah. find it. Um, uh, while they're making fake sex noises, I thought it was really funny out of nowhere. Like, Pee Wee's getting insanely horny. He's like, wow, this broad's really hot. We're really going to score, huh? And uh, Meat, uh, Meat just hears her, like, dirty talking and just randomly says, this broad must be from Brooklyn. And I don't know what he meant by that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, then uh, the big black guy busts in. Uh, the, the, the boys are running all over the place because he's, like, got a machete. He's, like claiming that these boys have wronged him uh it, it's pretty funny all the boys are running we see uh some of we you see a little glimpse of meat's penis and uh he definitely is not deformed it just looks normal <laughs> um you've seen all these boys butt cheeks is pretty funny um the cops are coming uh they uh they pick up peewee like running naked <laughs> just down the side of the road out in the like everglades basically um one of the cops is one of the main guys, uh, older brother. Uh, he's also like kind of the main boyfriend from uh, Black Christmas. Um, so Bob Clark bringing his boys back. I think he's the dad in the brood as well. Um, but mm. just like he, he's a guy I recognize at least. I, I know I know this guy well. 
Um, but they pull, pull over naked Pee-wee and drop him back off at like the burger restaurant or like soda shop or whatever that uh, the boys all hang out at. Um, at this point, uh, the racist guy Kavanaugh, his dad, shows up drinking a beer on his motorcycle, uh, being super shitty. He yells at his kid for running away from an N-word because he heard about this prank that they pulled and uh, is embarrassed that his son uh, ran from a black man. Uh, so they ran, ran away from they, a guy with a machete. How dare you? They're they're trying to show that like this guy Kavanaugh, he's uh, maybe acting out in bad ways. Like we know he's uh, becoming a bad guy too. But oh look, here's why: it's because his dad's super shitty and like beats him up and stuff. Um, they are planning to go to uh, Porky's after their game on fly- Friday. Uh, they've been told that for thirty bucks a piece, they can get it on with uh, Porky's new Cuban girls. Um, reeks of sex trafficking. <laughs> um, the uh, sh- sh- returning to the pod, uh, the f- giant fake condom joke from the Wanderers. Uh, they give they give Pee Wee a giant condom uh, to like put over his head and stuff to make fun of him for uh, when he he showed up to the date wearing a condom. Um, uh, one of the characters, Tommy, inflates the giant condom and is walking around poking everybody in the butt with it and turns around and runs into Miss Ballbreaker and uh, gets in trouble. That's, I mean, very funny. And he's just running. I mean, that's like an actual teen moment. Is yeah. uh, it, it, Nobody's watching. You're, you're doing a little bit. You're running around. You're, you're, everybody, you're a laughing stock. You're, not laughing stock, I guess, but everybody's cracking up at your bit and then all of a sudden uh oh you're in trouble i don't know i mean this scene just made me remember like oh yeah you used to get in trouble i can't remember last time i was in trouble (laughs) yeah (laughs) for like some sort of action or behavior right right, right. you never just get in trouble anymore that's dude being an adult is so based i can eat ice cream anytime (laughs) i want and i don't get in trouble um (laughs) Yeah, All right, so they, growing older. <laughs> they drive out to Porky's. This is a big like country bar out there in the Everglades somewhere. They have a really sick uh, neon sign that moves uh, male and female pig looking at each other. Um, it's fun. There's there's like ladies dancing. They're getting beers. Uh, they're complaining that uh, beers are a dollar or something i forget what numbers they said but yeah they're they, complaining they that the beers, beers are very cheap and then are mad that they're a dollar a piece i guess in the 50s a dollar a piece would be a lot for a beer it's kind of yeah it's it, i mean there's a place here in town that i can go on thursdays and get a pbr for a dollar fifty right so having to pay a dollar a piece in the 1950s yeah it's yeah, I guess that Pretty is expensive. expensive. I was like, what the fuck? I guess because I'm thinking it, it's worse than the other movie where you can't figure out what time period it's set. But yeah, this one is the 50s. So I guess I'm just fucking up my math um, or my, my time periods or whatever. Uh, there is a random tough guy who's uh, like assaulting a dancer. He's just like locked onto her legs, just staring at her pussy and yelling. And a bunch of bouncers come out and beat the shit out of that guy. Um, they, uh, insist on talking to Porky. Uh, Porky is a hugely obese, weird looking man. Uh, he looks fucked up. He looks like, um, uh, 
like a uh, the chicken lawyer from Futurama. Uh, uh, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, makes, makes sense. He just looks like a it's big insane. fucking round southern man. I don't know. I guess he doesn't even look like that chicken that much. <laughs> there. Um, trying to explain how weird this guy looks. It's not working. Uh, Porky says that uh, they can have three girls for 30 minutes for 100 bucks. Um, so they're walking over to some room uh, where they're going to, they're all excited to fuck these ladies. Um, but the whole bar, like, follows them over to the door to see what's happening because, like, they, uh, the whole bar knows that these kids have been had. Um, they knock them, uh, there's like a trap door that they're standing on that releases them all into the, uh, Everglades swamp water below. Um, they're all mad as hell, uh, get knocked into the water again because they're like trying to start fights or whatever. Uh, cops show up, uh, the cops, uh, the sheriff of the town is Porky's, I think brother or cousin or something like that. So, uh, he starts smashing their car lights and stuff and insists they get back to town. Um, and yeah, they're back. They get back to town. They're at their little drive-in place, fuming all mad um, about getting ripped off. Uh, there's whichever one character. Uh, I think it's the one whose older brother is the cop. Yeah, he's I think his like name the is most Mickey. mad. Yeah, he's like the most mad, and he's he wants to go back right away. Um, he doesn't like. I think his brother makes him leave or something. Um, go home instead but he's the one who throughout the movie will just keep going back every night to get his ass he, kicked he basically like disappears for the rest of the movie because he's just continuously he, he just shows back up just to show that he's keep continuously going back to Porky's to get his ass beat because um, mm-hmm. he I guess thinks he can just take everyone at the bar for some reason yeah um this is the part where uh, somebody fouls the other one in basketball, and it's um, Kavanaugh uh, fouls it, uh, the uh, the Jewish kid. Uh, Brian, the Jewish kid, and this is where we get uh, the other big scene that I remember well from this movie is uh, uh, he keeps uh, he's like walking around the locker room saying, "Yeah." He, yeah, and that guy's a kite. And walking up to him like, "Hey, let's go fly a kite tonight." And <laughs> Brian explains that he's uh, that's not what the word is. Explains to him what the word is. He says, "You know, you're too stupid to even be a good bigot." Uh, for some reason, I've always thought this kite uh, other word uh, scene. I don't know. It always stuck with me. Um, I don't know if it's it's not even really like a joke, but it's like kind of funny that the guy's like being racist wrong. I mean, it's always just whenever anyone can be put in their place for their bigotry and how mm-hmm. fucking stupid it is. Um, we see them, uh, they're like fighting outside of the school. Um, Brian kicks uh, Kavanaugh's ass really badly and uh, Kavanaugh won't shake. Um, Brian's trying to be like all honorable. They used to, back in the day, fight and shake hands over it or whatever. Um, yeah, because Brian knows Jiu-Jitsu. He just like leaves. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, Jew- Jewish Jitsu. Um, is that the joke you're making? <laughs> no, they legitimately ask him, like, how do you learn to fight like that? And he goes, "Oh, uh, you know, growing up Jewish, like it was basically like learn to fight or take a bunch of shit." And I don't like taking shit. 
Uh, so I learned how to box and I do a little jujitsu and they go, is that that Japanese stuff? And then they <laughs> <laughs> just like kind of keep walking. Love that. Um, but yeah, they're trying to be nice to him. Uh, uh, there's a funny line uh, where they're saying a guy's a prick and then uh, uh, one of our main guys says, yeah, he needs a smuck. And Brian's like, oh yeah, nice try. I see, I see what you're going for, but it's actually schmuck. Uh, and then Brian's just like, I gotta go. Well, and it's then a yeah, really the kid's like, scene because Brian's just like, I'm gonna leave now. Yeah, the kid learns, uh, whichever one of them learns how to say it right. So he does a take two, and he's like, Yeah, he's a schmuck. <laughs> yeah. That's Jewish, right? <laughs> Very funny. Brian, yeah, Brian's just kind of like, Yeah, yeah, you, you, you got it. All right, <laughs> see, see you guys. Yeah, I get, I'm gonna leave now. Bye. Um. Now, now for the part I remember most fondly from this movie, uh, they're at the uh, little diner, drive-in, whatever place this restaurant they hang out at. Uh, this girl I've called the kind of main girl, uh, who's kind of the only female character who gets anything to do. Yeah, she's um, like a member of their like friend group. Um, one of them might be like kind of dating her kind of thing she's the one um, peewee's trying to go out with but i don't know she's she's just kind of the main girl in the movie uh she's working at the restaurant or whatever gets a phone call uh and uh they're asking for someone uh named michael hunt uh so she starts yelling out to the whole the surrounding area has anyone seen mike hunt uh which god damn it dude this is i think mike hunt is better than Seymour Butts, Amanda Hug and Kiss. I mean, any of the uh, Amanda Hug and Kiss any, is any a classic. Of, any of Bart Simpson's little uh, little japes. I think that little yellow boy should show some respect. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> stop telling people to eat his pants. Um, eat pants. But yeah, I mean, I fucking lost my mind when I first watched this movie. It was like probably I don't know, eleven or twelve, something right. like that. And uh, this Mike Hunt joke, god damn, it killed for me. Um, uh, somehow, I don't know why this is a plot point, but Meat doesn't get into Princeton. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, so he's horrifically drunk about it, eating chili. Um, they have to do a thing to explain it to the cops that he's diabetic and needs his medicine or something. <laughs> Uh, Dodo was uh, uh, going on there but then Brian has to intervene and keep them from arresting meat which I didn't know if this was supposed to be like a Jews secretly running things I don't know why I don't think so I, I guess Brian fucks with them now so he gets them off the hook uh, really weird that Brian's the one who's able to get them off the hook though I don't know why I think it's just to um, kind of show that like hey here's Brian he's a new guy and it's just another instance of him kind of ingratiating himself to the group but the boys kind of like interpersonal relationships uh, are of no consequence to this movie so it's very bizarre to have that have to be a thing that happens in the movie for some reason yeah it's weird um, this is when Mickey shows up uh, he's gotten super beat up uh, fighting with Porky's over and over again off screen uh, Kavanaugh shows up too, uh, and he's even more beat up and it's cause, uh, uh, apparently his dad beat him up even worse for finding out he got into a fight with a Jew and lost. Um, okay. This is, this is where we get our lassie payoff about Kim Cattrall. Uh, the, the younger coach does successfully take her up to the, uh, whatever this the secret upstairs room. Um, that they use to fuck. 
um, we see her butt. Uh, she's a really pretty lady, so it's cool you get to see her butt. Um, and yeah, apparently, uh, the the smell of boy ball sweat just gets her ravenously horny. Yeah. Um, so I go. I mean, she literally. It sounds like Max is making a joke, but uh, she says that in the movie. Uh, and then they start fucking, and she starts moaning loud. I guess like a dog, and uh, the she, acoustics. Like, Carry she, this sound when she Good. climaxes. She's like howling. Yeah. Uh, um, the the coach who put him up to it is losing his mind, laughing like having to hide his face. This this part was fun because he's laughing so hard that like, uh, like it's infectious how hard this guy is laughing. Like yeah. he's doing such a good job of laughing, whether or not he's acting, he might actually be laughing. But uh, I feel kind of bad for Kim Cattrall. She. Uh, she says she was kind of coerced and uh, deeply regrets being in this movie, and it colored a lot of her later career, I think. But uh, I love Kim Cattrall. She's a big movie head and uh, very cool. Yeah. She's um, in other Bob Clark movies, too, dude. Like baby geniuses. <laughs> yeah. Um, the So here we get the actual shower scene. Um, they get really mad because uh, it's working. They're in there, everybody's showering, but there's a fat girl in the way, uh, which causes Pee Wee to yell at her to move. Uh, <laughs> uh, the one guy, I think he said it was Tommy. He sticks his tongue through at some point. The girls are like kind of like having a fun time with this, because uh, uh, this movie's gross, and instead of them being painted as uh actually being having a sex crime done yeah, to them their they're, reaction uh, is they're just like boys being boys ha 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 you guys are perverts get out of here stop so it they, like prank him back yeah tommy puts his tongue through the hole and then they put soap on it um these holes are hilariously big too so it's so funny that they would not notice these normally well uh like they're so big even like that they're even like big in universe because like when the one of the girls like realizes there's somebody looking through this hole the first thing they said they're like tommy thompson is that you like um yeah no i mean you can even stick your dick through which uh tommy does and uh uh since he can no longer see he's just sticking his dick in a hole uh does not see a ball breaker come up and grab hold of it and try to pull him through the other side by his dick eventually it snaps back um, this is the second scene in which um, uh, the coaches uh, lose their mind laughing uh, as they're explaining what happened to the principal. Uh, ball breakers trying to get all the boys in trouble and both of the uh, like younger coaches and then eventually even the third oldest coach, Coach Goodenough, all start busting a gut laughing and it yeah, makes you bust a gut laughing. Because she wants the principal to give her Tommy, who she knows it was, and five other boys, any other five boys, and basically just do a police lineup of their dicks. Yeah, she wants she penis swears, inspection day. <laughs> she swears she can recognize who it was. Um, I mean, that's crazy. They should keep that on file. Like... They took pictures when you had penis inspection day at high school, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know why they couldn't just pull up the record, but um, I thought it was nice when uh, they gave like when you got your like senior photos, like they gave you your uh, penis inspection day photo, like to you as well, like mm -hmm. for, like for graduation and stuff. 
Yeah. Which was like kind of weird, but like, you they know, put that nice. little hat on it. Yeah. It's nice to be able to frame it and like have a memento from my time in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the, uh, <laughs> uh, one of the coaches says, uh, in midst of like uproarious laughter, he says they should send a sketch artist to identify the pricks. Uh, this is, it's, not even that funny of a scene but it gets so funny just based on how hard these guys are laughing uh and then for no apparent reason the scene ends by zooming into a a framed picture of jimmy carter that's behind them um no idea why that happens wait that wouldn't be jimmy carter once again i'm getting my time frame mixed up i guess it's like eisenhower I don't know. I'm glad I caught that I made a mistake, but whatever. Whoever the president was, I don't know why I wrote Jimmy Carter. It's obviously not Jimmy. God damn it. Anyway, okay. Keep moving. Uh, the shitty dad shows up at a party to mess with the Jewish guy and his own son uh, stands up to him. Um, uh, they. Uh, this is like his redemption moment. Uh, but he still manages to fumble it so badly uh, because he tells his dad, being a man means, if being a man means being what you are, I'd rather be queer. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. bro, you were finally standing up to your racist, shitty, anti-Semitic father. And then had you, to had, to, like, you had to be homophobic, dude. God damn, bro. You fumbled at the goal line so bad. Um. Uh, Mickey shows up a second time being beat up by Porky's, and this time he has almost been killed. Uh, no idea why he keeps going back, but uh, it happens again. Um, Brian helps them uh, hatch some crazy plan to get back at Porky's. Uh, the coach is in on it, too, now, the one who was fucking Kim Cattrall, because uh, He's Porky's beat him up when he was a kid. Yeah, and he was getting fired for uh, fucking Kim Cattrall. And they, you, lo- you also learn he's like 24. 20- two or something like that 23 he says he is like bro you're a 40 year old man in this movie um uh so yeah they're going to do their plan they're sabotaging porkies they're swimming with a chainsaw under porkies like cutting wood and stuff um and yeah they 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 do their plan uh they start a commotion they drop porkies into the water um the foundation of the whole bar uh starts falling out they use like boats to pull the wood that they've like uh distressed already to some extent uh they fucked up the cop cars in a way that i don't understand that when they start them they had go in reverse instead go directly into the water um and like literally have pump action dynamite to blow the bridge behind them um unfortunately the second bridge doesn't blow and uh, porky and his men are able to chase them in their pink pork cadillac uh and the cop second uh yeah uh they get like the one cop with them as well um they're doing these really weird close-ups uh as the scene's happening where it'll be like a crazy close-up of like the brother and then like someone in the marching band and they're all just standing in the dark and you're getting extreme close-ups of like just their eyes and you don't know what the fuck is going on um but uh they uh they stop at the county line uh, where the brother 
sheriff, whatever, it's now his jurisdiction. Uh, and the entire school is there, <laughs> whatever. The whole, their marching band is there to, like, shove it in Porky's face that they have no jurisdiction. Uh, the brother shoots up Porky's car with a shotgun and, like, in, in, insists on uh, them getting it back to their own county and stuff. And it's like, what the fuck is... <laughs> This is the climax of the movie is you truly destroyed these men's bar because you were trying to fuck uh, hookers there underage. Yeah. And <laughs> and you've beat them by, yeah, you destroy their bar and then just be like, yeah, uh, jurisdiction, you can't get us. Like, it's, what the fuck? It's even like doubly fucking wild because like we mentioned, like, they go to Porky's fairly early on. And then the only continued connection to Porky's is Mickey showing up periodically to show that he is, in fact, going back to get his ass kicked. And yeah, two, two separate times he goes back solo to try to get their money back or whatever and just gets beat up. And it's like the only reason he goes like even like he's coming back is because like they know they want to do this Porky's thing at the end. It's like and here's your like tiny little carrot that's going to continue this Porky's subplot or the, the Porky's main plot for the entire movie versus it just being high school kids doing shenanigans. Yeah. This is just like a high school, like sex romp other than just being bookended by these two separate trips to Porky's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wild, wild premise for the movie. And do you know um, about the Porky's sequels? I know there's sequels. I don't know. Uh, Porky's 2. I looked these up because I saw I, I forgot that there were even one. Uh, Porky's 2 revolves around um, our same group of boys. For some reason, I've not seen any of these. For some reason, squaring off against the KKK. Oh. And uh, Porky's 3, or Porky's Revenge, uh, has Porky coming back. Um, and now, for, somehow, he gets the better of them. And tries to force them into throwing the state championship basketball game because he's got money on the other team. Uh, the fucking rules. I don't know why these movies have so much plot. Uh, Bob Clark did direct the second one, and he only wrote uh, the third one. So. They, they do just have an insane amount of plot to them. Uh, yeah. Even even still, yeah. The, as the uh, credits are coming up and stuff, uh, Pee Wee uh, has sex on the school bus. Uh, he says that the condom is too big. <laughs> he needs a smaller one. And uh, Coach Brawlbricker uh, stocks uh, the boys from the woods. Unclear how she got out here, knew what was going on, but uh, she jumps out trying to get his penis uh, from yeah. the woods. And uh, the movie just ends with the main guy looking at the camera in freeze frame saying, ah, geez. Yeah, also they they do give, fucking wild. They do give Pee Wee the advice of tying a knot in the condom to make it shorter. Yeah. Um something uh, this podcast cannot advocate for um uh, that would break your condom. Uh don't do that. Oh yeah, I guess I mean tie a knot at the end. Does it make sense? Yeah, you can't put it in and then tie a knot. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was picturing when they said tie a knot, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's very funny. Porky's is a uh, doesn't hold up obnoxiously problematic movie in the year 2022. Um, but when they're doing kind of more just run of the mill, like 
just kind of like not succeeding and just being like goofy teenage boys kind of stuff. Um, yeah, when it's like a goofy high school movie instead of like truly objectionable stuff, it's a it's a lot better. Yeah, I mean, like um, like with all like movies when we talk about like from this like day and age, like I mean, if if any of that sounds like it is not a one hundred percent a deal breaker, just go. You got to go into it understanding that. It was over mind, forty years crazy. ago, and oh, yeah. uh, it's it it is fairly unconscionable in this day and age. But uh, it's just it's a it's a relic, and it should be addressed as such. <laughs> I think <laughs> slightly less bad than Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, no one's actively raped, right? So that's good. At least I don't think. I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, the Pee-wee and other the and the the their one female friend at the end. She's consenting. Is yeah, but it was like part of a bet. Um, but I mean, she did take the bet willingly, and it it's pretty gross. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It's also gross that he uh, puts his head outside of the bus and uh, bangs on his head, uh, chest like a gorilla after, because he is now fucked. Yeah, the the whole movie is pretty um, reprehensible at the end of the day. <laughs> the last yeah. American version is not much better, so we're going to take a break. I, I maybe think it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, we're back. We're talking about the Last American Virgin. Um, it's it is a weird, weird movie. Um, Did you look into how this movie came to be? Uh, are you talking about like Boaz had done a? I think what is it called? Lemon Le- lemon uh, lemon mil- lemon popsicle. Lemon popsicle. Um, what, Made by the same director. So this is from uh, uh, these two famous Israeli uh, film uh, producers. Uh, had a company called Canon Films. Uh, did a lot of B-movies, but, like, some some good movies, too. They did, like, uh, like the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They oh, did the Can- Tom Savini, Night of the Living Dead. Canon like is Blood amazing. Sport. Yeah, they, I mean, there's some... There's some mis- like they did, like all of the Death Wish movies after the first one, like it, re- really weird stuff. Uh, but it, like a lot of really good movies, like uh, Superman Four, uh, <laughs> Cobra. I think actually like a perfect kind of just like in cap to talking about canon. So like because we don't have to go on. If you if you want to know more about canon, if you're familiar with them in any way, go and um, watch a documentary. I think it was on Netflix for a while. It might still be on there. It's called Electric Boogaloo. The wild untold story of Canon Films, and it's just got a bunch of people that were in Canon Films, people that directed for Canon, all kinds of stuff, and they just that, kind that of title go makes sense because they did both Breakin' and Breakin' Two Electric Book. Yep. <laughs> yep. So yeah. it it it's a pretty. I mean, it's almost two hours long, and it it does a really really good job of kind of going through and just talking about Canon and uh, the movies they put out and their legacy and kind of like the impact they've had on. 
uh, kind of like the American film scene. Um, but Canon yeah, films, so welcome back to the pod. They they produced uh, Missing in Action. Oh yeah, there you go. Um, so but, uh, but, yeah, this this movie is a shot for shot remake right of, of lemon popsicle a movie lemon popsicle a movie by the same director uh shot for shot identical plot uh but uh it was made in israel about the 1950s uh yeah, the movie was made in, in the israel late 70s and... set in israel yeah uh uh it was it was and i believe still is the most popular movie every ever in israel uh something like 90% of people who lived there saw the movie and uh, and it spawned like 10 sequels i was going to say yeah i mean if you type in lemon popsicle you get a wikipedia thing for the uh lemon popsicle film series not just the movie itself um and it's 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 wild it's it's truly insane uh so i mean since that movie was made about israel in the 50s uh it it was made into an american shot for shot but in the time the movie comes out the early 80s early 80s late um, 70s it's really confusing because at times it feels like the 50s in ways that uh, don't really make sense, but then the music and stuff is '80s music. Uh, that's it a big like so way that drops. this movie. It is it, like a big part of this movie's marketing was advertising all this cool music that's in it. Um, but just in general, there's something completely lost in translation because uh, so much of this movie is insane, uh, barely makes sense. Just. Let's let's start getting into that stuff. But there is for sure uh, some. I mean, there more than two, anything, I'm talking about the bag of oranges. But uh. <laughs> there, there are. I mean, there's some. Yeah, some sort of like unexplainable like background stuff, and there are basically the the entire end sequence is just. I I'm not sure how you, to wrap my head around end it. an American movie this way. It's. And that's exactly what it is. It's that like he was so faithful to, and I'm 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 you know keeping it shrouded for a reason. But he was so faithful to the ending of his original set in 1950s Tel Aviv movie that it feels just just enough off to be insane for 1980s America. And then there's one other scene in particular that like tonally just hits super fucking weird to me. Um, but we'll, we'll get the to old that. lady or fucking the prostitute. I'm not going to say. Okay. We'll get to it. Um, we follow uh, our three main guys, but our mainest main guy is Gary. He's just an average little guy. Oh, um, the, the two kind of most main characters, Gary and Rick in this movie uh, also uh, apparently, uh, both came out as gay a little later in their lives, uh, so uh, adds just a metatextual uh, homoerotic <laughs> reading to this movie. Um, but uh, that's yeah. Go back and watch it and instead stuff. of being jealous of Ka- of Rick because he's with Karen, being jealous of Karen because she's with yeah. Rick. Yeah. Um, 
He uh, delivers pizzas. Uh, he gets to drive uh, the pizza car home a lot. Doesn't really make sense. It's got a giant. Yeah, uh, he basically just gets it as his personal vehicle. It's a huge pink station it, wagon with a big it, pizza except, man on top. Except for one night uh, when they have to find another mode of transportation. So they steal um, their not friend Victor's car <laughs> and then drive it into the ocean. Yeah. Um, they're at... Uh, again, like a, a diner, like soda fountain, ice cream shop style place uh, that doesn't make any sense because this is supposed to be the 80s and they're at like a 50s place. Um, it makes more sense that they just straight up took the 50s stuff and just placed it in the 80s. Uh, they uh, they spot some girls who are cute. Uh, so they insist uh, somebody go uh, try to talk to them bring them over you think that the guys are going to be such losers that the girls want nothing to do with them but they just come over and sit with them and are like oh yeah take us to a party or whatever yeah <laughs> so they convince them they're gonna go to a party with a bunch of drugs and stuff um, the girls want uh to make sure there's coke there uh they're all driving for uh driving in the pizza car uh that song are you ready for the sex girls is is playing at this point it plays a couple of times actually um, yeah, you get um a couple of repeat cars and devo songs yeah um uh, our main boy gary is stuck with the ugly standoffish uh one of these three girls uh she just keeps saying she doesn't care about stuff uh her boys uh, the everybody else is dancing in pairs and he asks her if she wants to dance she says she doesn't care (laughs) and it uh uh feels freakish uh she she seems like she's not all there um very weird uh the girls insist they want coke uh so uh the boys bring back lines of sweet and load that they've chopped up for them and the girls are just like oh yeah that's good that's the best colombian i've ever had yeah and like the the one like ugly friend i'm using air quotes um like there's this like extended section where she goes like she's snorting it and it just like is straight up vacuum sounds for like 26 mm-hmm. seconds yeah i th- i thought that this was going to be like uh one of them has diabetes or something so oh, then you've got to like, like figure that's how that they don't out. have sex with them kind of thing is yeah that, like like have some sort of reaction to the sweet and low they're snorting, which sweet and low doesn't have sugar, so I guess it doesn't make sense. But I thought it was going to be something like that. But instead, everything just keeps going. Like there's there's no like reveal or like nothing ever gets complicated. It's everything is exactly what you think it is when you see the beginning of the scene. It's like oh, they bring these girls over and now they're going to get busy or whatever. Really, I I can't tell you just how jarring all of it feels. Um, uh, our main guy's just holding a bowl of chips while uh, Rick is fucking and uh, David the fat one is starting to fuck uh, his girl tells him some insane thing about uh, she's nervous or whatever so he has to go on the patio and count backwards from 100 and then when he comes back in she'll be naked in the bed and I don't know why she says that <laughs> Like, you would think she's lying and she's going to be gone or something, but then she actually is naked. It's yeah. really weird. Um, uh, when when Rick is uh, uh, having sex with the lady, she says, I'm not on the pill, and he says, me either. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> then they do have sex. Uh, very strange. 
Um, and Rick's Gary is fast and loose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gary is uh, uh, just getting the big girl naked while she uh, doesn't even. She's just like eating chips and he can't get her bra off. So he's uh, going to cut it with scissors. Uh, but then his parents walk in uh, and everyone wanders out uh, outside naked. <laughs> Very weird stuff. Uh, they have to run away because the mom is like, oh, my heart or whatever. Can't take it. Uh, uh, David's still in his underwear on the patio and then comes inside and molests his friend's mom because she's laying in the bed where he thought yep. the girl would be naked. Um, what are, you, what are you thinking about this movie so far, Max? This um, is some of the most wild stuff I've seen in my life. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty wild at this point, but it's not like like inexplicably crazy it's like all right this is kind of just like we've got our hapless kind of like nerdy guys and they've got like the one kind of cooler friend and it's still more than anything i couldn't i couldn't figure out why everything was going so well and why none of it was funny yeah it's none of it is funny um (laughs) it's pretty important but uh yeah i mean it's to me it just like felt like waiting for the like what is going to cause all of this to go wrong when it was like going right that it didn't feel like that part didn't feel weird to me necessarily because it's like you knew it was going to go wrong you were just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop and then it does but the scene just kind of goes a lot longer than you think it would yeah they get a lot closer than yeah it's really fucking yeah it's so weird um they're in the gym uh, the next day and uh, recording character of Victor, uh, the nerdiest guy there, um, is looking through um, uh, the peephole into the girls' locker room. So pretty pretty identical scenes. Uh, Victor, played by Brian Peck, he's uh, uh, welcome back to the pod, Brian Peck. He's in Return of the Living Dead as uh, one of the main punk guys. He's like the second most punk looking guy after suicide, the, the most punk looking guy. Um, but very, very different role for him over there. Yeah. Um, everyone is making fun of him for getting a boner, looking at the girls. Uh, he insists his dick is big. Uh, so the boys all decide they're going to put a dollar in a piece and whoever has the biggest dick gets all of the money. So they, once again, do penis inspection day. And yep. uh, David and Gary uh, line up. You sit down with all the boys, line up, uh, get boners in. It's important, too, that they have boners. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of these boys are standing in tidy whities with boners, waiting for their turn to show the boners to these guys so they can be measured and uh, uh, then uh, Victor wins because his uh, dick is, they measure it at nine inches, but uh, he insists it is actually nine and a half. Yeah, and uh, you know what? They give it to him, which is nice. Uh, you know, they're like, you know what? You've already won, so we're not going to dispute half an inch. Let's see. There you go, Victor. Uh, uh, weird thing about like the IMDb trivia page for this movie is that there are multiple int- instances or entries rather of, people just very concerned with the exchange rate of how much money is like 
between like the eras. So, um, you know, Victor actually ends up netting about $40 in today's money for the dick measuring contest. That's in the trivia? Yeah. yeah. Just like adjusting how much dick money Victor gets? Yeah, I'm going to keep you updated on inflation uh, throughout this because, like I said, there's about four of the entries on a pretty scant IMDb trivia page. They're they're almost entirely about um, uh, Diane Franklin and how she felt about showing her uh, breasts on film and how that kind of... Oh, my God. And the context in which she did... Uh, her career from that point forward uh, up into a point where she refused to do any more nudity in film and that's why she mostly did TV. Uh, there's, It's like mostly about that and then some random other stuff and then like four things just about like how much money it would have been in 2022. <laughs> these different... Love, love, love that. Yeah, it's weird. Um, He... Uh... So yeah, this character Karen, he sees her earlier at the ice cream diner, whatever, um, and is immediately in love with her. Uh, he sees her moped. Uh, he he finds out where she lives, sabotages her moped, and then uh, waits around so he can give her a ride to school. Uh, and then he fucks up trying to ask her out. Uh, <laughs> it's like I'm just gonna ask you straight. Do you have a boyfriend? And she's like, no. And then she just walks away before he can follow up in any way. Gary sucks so bad. Yeah, and he continues to suck because, like, he's supposed to be kind of like our hero. And this is, like, one of the more inexplicable things is, like, I'm not sure how the movie is, like, wants us to feel about him because he's kind of, you know, in today's parlance, like, not that they had a concept of it in the early 80s. Like, he's your, like, quintessential, like, nice guy character. Like, yeah. he ends up just being this kind of, like, sad sack. I mean, the just movie like, is called The Last American yeah. Virgin. He truly is the prototypical incel. Yeah, but, like, it's... So, I'm not sure if... Because it's, like, the 80s versus now. Like, are we... Does the movie... It's unclear whether or not the movie views him as a sympathetic face or... I think it does. Someone that kind of gets what they deserve in a way, which is watching it you know, over the weekend, like, that's how I kind of felt about Gary was like, and what did you expect? You fucking psycho. Like, yeah, he, uh, I, I definitely think the movie wants you to, uh, feel for Gary, which is, uh, insane. Cause Gary sucks. Um, <laughs> Gary sucks so bad. Um, uh, cut to the weekend and they're at a party. Um, it, it's like a crazy day glow eighties party. Um, uh, Rick has already hit it off with Karen. Uh, Gary insists he does not want her uh, sloppy, his sloppy seconds. Both movies bring up sloppy seconds. Um, he is super upset, but then Rose is trying to get with Gary. Um, I'm, another thing I was a little unclear on is if Rose is supposed to be like, repulsive she is or she's supposed to be like the kind of like i mean again she's like karen's ugly friend who's just like hanging around and like that she's not 
I mean, she's my guy of the week. Yeah, I mind so, too. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> Kimmy Robertson. Uh, she's in all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's mostly her thing is doing the baby voice. I'm mostly picking her for Twin Peaks. She's Lucy. Um, yeah. But wow, we agree. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. That's great. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, she doesn't get any interiority. Uh, she likes bubblegum ice cream. Um, yeah, and she she likes she, scary. she likes scary. Yeah. Weird that she, she likes. She wears bikinis versus one pieces. Uh, That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, Gary gets horrifically drunk uh, at the party. Uh, he gets so drunk. Uh, big friend David uh, tries to walk him outside to get some fresh air, and he's so drunk he knocks Gary, uh, David into the pool. Uh, but then it's okay. Uh, they're gonna let him drive home. <laughs> so. He, he he gets in his pizza car and drives himself home uh, completely uneventfully because we just cut to him being at home mm-hmm. uh, where his parents are having friends over. Uh, he is being a terror and singing to his mom's old He's friend, like, Miss Roswell, about how he wants to fuck her. Yeah, trying to hit on her. Uh, then, like, the wildest thing about this scene to me, and Elise agreed with me because she was, like, watching with me at this moment, was, like, Gary collects all of their wine glasses in like on a serving tray and he's going to take them into the kitchen because his parents are just trying to like get him out of the room and he goes to leave and he bumps into the wall and drops like 15 wine glasses in the entryway to this room mm-hmm. where people are going to have to walk into the main hall to leave this mm-hmm. fucking house and his mom's response is that's okay gary we'll we'll clean it up tomorrow yeah, like we're gonna end just, this just dinner go party with a pile of glass that all of you have to walk over to leave our house. <laughs> hey, maybe they're a uh, use the kitchen door family. Maybe. Well, maybe not because Gary just came in through the, the front, front door. door. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just insane. It's like, why would she say that? Just be like, just be like, yeah, Gary, go to bed right now. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. You're clearly being an asshole. But yeah, no, yeah, doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, he is doodling Karen's name in his notebook uh, in class. You think somebody's going to notice that maybe and uh, make fun of him for it, but nope, it doesn't come up in any way. Nope. Uh, instead, he gets called on and uh, uh, to explain some like uh, mathematical equation or something, but he doesn't know. So uh, Victor, the nerd, is like feeding him lines, uh, but then at the end, he just stops feeding him on lines and uh, tells him to fucking eat his ass or something yeah uh victor one rules, of the weirder. victor's like the only good person in this whole movie i mean Aside victor's a nerd girls. too but he's like based sigma nerd whereas uh gary is fucking beta fucking zeta dude <laughs> this guy sucks um god I, this movie god i really hate gary um one of the wilder uh scenes in the movie uh, he is delivering pizza uh, to an old uh, Spanish milf lady named Carmela, uh, who clearly wants his young dick. Um, welcome back to the pod, uh, Carmela Luisa Maritz. Uh, she was named Luisa in uh, the movie Cannonball we did. Oh, okay. Uh, the driving across the country movie. Um, he gets scared of her papaya jelly and leaves. Uh then brings back the other boys each with a pizza 
Like they each have pizzas. They're just like, hey, we were in the neighborhood and thought you'd want some extra yeah, pizza. He's kind of doing and, that like young kid thing of like, you know, in that moment, he's like horribly scared and overwhelmed by the by the situation and then goes to his friends to be like, yeah, dude, like this hot milf lady, like she totally wanted to fuck. And like, uh, I, you know, and I they're came, like, oh, OK, then let's bring pizzas over yeah, there and I, fuck her. <laughs> I came to get you guys like you got to check it out. And then when they get back there, he's just like, yeah, go ahead, Rick, have sex with her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what they do. She gives them tequila and starts dancing for them to like. Cir- then, she's like uh, stripping to like circus music. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and she's just saying weird stuff you, the whole time. She's like, "I've got some tequila that my sailor Paco gave to me," and it's like, "What the fuck are you, you talking about?" You think uh, with all of the needle drops they have in this movie, they they would get something that's like recognizable for this like striptease moment but it's literally like playing like he went on to like some sort of like sound audio like repository and just pulled like uh just some random fucking song yeah it's 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 wild it doesn't feel like a real song um but yeah, so she takes uh, Rick into the other room with her and just starts fucking him. It's like, oh, yeah, that's once again, it's like, oh, you, you know, I mean, there's no like fake out or anything. It's just exactly what they thought it was going to be. <laughs> At least for Rick. And she, 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 yeah, she gets done with him and calls David in. Uh, David's all sweaty and scared, um, but uh, uh, still manages to fuck her. <laughs> he, he, he overcomes his fears and uh, does fuck her. Um, uh they all take turns looking through the um the keyhole to see what's going on um (laughs) they're being really weird about it um then her sailor boy paco oh it turns out he shows up this movie does know how to foreshadow something instead of just doing exactly what uh you think it's gonna do um and uh they they like hide the fact that uh they're there to fuck her really quickly but then mm-hmm. uh david didn't get the memo so he comes out and says wow that bitch was such a nympho <laughs> and they get chased out uh chased out poorly too because paco is like i don't know uh yeah, david has time like... to run outside and then go back in to get his clothes and run back out and still avoid paco <laughs> it's just kind of like a running like kind of slight running gag of uh david just always being kind of like last to everything uh mm-hmm. it's get, it gets him in trouble a couple of times giving this movie any credit for having <laughs> having a joke in it is insane um they pull a fast one on victor and steal his car um they, they like say that they're gonna take him on a triple date they just need a car this is the only night where they don't have the pizza car um they go to the point and uh uh, it's these, Rick and Gary and Rose and Karen. Rose and Karen, yeah. Um, and uh, Gary relents and makes out with Rose, and they make out so hard uh, that he uh, trips the brake release, and none of them notice this as the car is careening down this like beach or whatever and lands in the water. And they just get out and like dance in the water for a minute, and it cuts to Victor alone with the cokes they asked him to buy because yeah. they had rum and needed him to get coke. Um. Oh, just real quick. Uh, Carmela 
paid uh, $7.50 for the pizza and $1.50 for her six-pack of beer from Gary when he delivers to her initially. Uh, that would have come out in today's money. That's a $23 pizza and a four fifty six pack of beer, which is still incredibly cheap for a sixer. Yeah, that's a really great price for the beer. Uh, pizza, yeah, it's about what you. It's about right you, for you pizza. You're twenty to thirty bucks. On yeah, a, beer beerflation nice is real, pie. people, and we need to take this to Congress because we should be paying but, under five bucks for sixers. But don't get mad at anybody who sells you the beer. Remember <laughs> that, folks. <laughs> I'm using my uh, I'm using my platform to make sure no one gets mad at me. Um, Gary pretends to look for the key to his grandma's house uh, to give to Rick, um, so you can fuck Karen there. Uh, he he tries to Rick get then wants to g- David to let him use his parents' yeah. pool house, uh, and I I didn't write down everything that he says, but uh, David is reluctant because apparently they had a wild party there at some point. And the only thing I wrote down of any consequence is that apparently a guy named Big Earl smoked angel dust and then ate a parakeet. Yeah, and that was the last mom's parakeet. That was the last time. That's they were what I wrote to, down uh, as well. <laughs> last time they were able to use the pool house for anything. <laughs> Insane. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, wild stuff. Uh, so Rick's like, I don't know, I just go fuck her somewhere else. They're being super shitty to him. Um, they're like, dude, you're such a piece of shit, dude. All you want to do is hang out with Karen. All you hear about is Karen. Uh, we're actually going to go to the fuck this hooker that we fuck all the time without telling you. And he's like, what? You're going to fuck a hooker without me? <laughs> so he follows them to go fuck the hooker. Um, I bet you're wondering how much they paid for that hooker. <laughs> I was hoping you'd tell me. Uh, what do they say? It's 30 bucks $30 a piece a they got to pay? $30 a pop, which David has to cover. Has to cover yeah, I don't know why David... David has to pay for the medicine later, too. I don't know why David is the one paying for everything. $92. $92 for all three of them to have sex with a prostitute in a warehouse and then get crabs. Wait, but... Wait, it was 30 bucks a piece. Then it's 92 a piece now? Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Can't fuck. That's an expensive hooker Kids now, got a lot like. of money. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, they go to like some abandoned like basement shack thing, and uh, they let Gary go first. Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to uh, imply. It seems like Gary came immediately or lost his boner. I can't tell. He um, the this is the scene that I was talking about. It's just like so weirdly shot. Like there is nothing fun about this scene. There is nothing like funny about this scene. Oh, when Gary finishes, he throws up. It is, and like it is shot like it's some sort of like prestige drama about like is it? This is Gary losing his enti- his childhood, losing his innocence, uh, and in in a grimy place with a, a a person who is less than ideal for him uh, in a situation that is unfathomable for a high schooler to be going through. And it is shot that way. It is played that way. And then when the scene is over, it's back to supposedly being a fun high school romp. Uh, it is fucking insane. 
Yeah, no, it's I mean, one hundred percent. It's 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 like deeply dark and upsetting. Like I said, he literally throws up after doing this. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's like oh, this is like the darkness that uh, he's been like looking for uh, finally come manifest, and this is how it actually goes. But then, yeah, immediately it's just back to japes after yep. this. Doesn't matter. Just. Still not funny, but it goes back to being comedic. Yeah, it's fucking insane, dude. This is one of the big scenes that it's like, there's something lost in translation here because, I I mean, either the vibe of this or I don't know. The vibe of something is yeah, no, crazy. I mean, I, I want to watch Lemon Popsicle to see just like there's some sort of tonal just something missing I, feel like I would need to know more about 50s israeli culture too <laughs> probably and then like literally it goes like the next scene is like all three of them have gotten crabs uh yeah they get kicked out of their test because uh all their dicks itch and so they go to the pool because they heard somebody told them that you can drown crabs in chlorine water and yeah They've been in the pool for four hours, and then they gotta rub suntan lotion on Karen and Rose's backs. And oh no, the crabs—the drowning didn't work. Uh, now let's go yeah, have, have a jump back in the pool. Let's go have a funny scene where maybe one of the funnier scenes in the movie is when the it, just the idea of drowning the crabs in the public pool yeah, is funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And then like it's a, also like kind of funny scene where they're like at the pharmacy trying to explain to the guy they need crabs medication. And then the guy's like finally catches on. He's like, "Oh, you dicks itch!" And then <laughs> yeah, just laughs it, at them. It, it's it starts out. Gary's like, "Yeah, I need some medicine for ticks." And the guy's like, "Oh, I got just the right stuff. What kind of dog?" He's like, "Well, it's not a dog. It's not really ticks. It's more like lice." He's like, "Oh yeah, I'll give you a lice comb. Let me look at your head. No, that's not nothing to worry about." And he's like, <laughs> "The guy has to force him to be like, oh, you got crabs. You're such young guys to get itchy dick crabs." Uh, but then he just gives them the medicine they need, and they're yeah, gonna be fine. And they pay twelve seventeen in today's money for that that dick cream. They make it seem like crabs is so much easier to get rid of than I think it even is. I don't know how hard it is to get rid of crabs, but I don't no think idea. it's like as easy as putting lotion on your dick for three days, right? I don't know. No, maybe clue. I'm wrong here. Never had. God. Yeah, me either. It'd be, it'd be terrifying. Um. Let's see. Uh, okay, so now we're big this stuff's is, gonna start. This is happening. the end of the movie. We're on a collision course with the the weirdest ending in a movie you'll ever uh-huh. see. I think we we've kind of set it up that it's not as fun as it wants to be, but like the movie wants to be like a fun high school like romp, sexy romp. Mm-hmm. It's marketed that way. It like feels like it's trying to be that just unsuccessfully. And all of a sudden it's going to get weirdly insanely yeah. dark. So for remember, remember how we talked about how, uh, I mean, just moments ago, how weirdly dark the scene where they lose their, or Gary loses their virginity to virginity to the, uh, uh, prostitute is well, we're, we're back in that territory for the entire rest of the movie. I just realized. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I just realized we could redo this movie with um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, maybe we will. Because maybe we will. Everybody wants to revisit the Last American Virgin. <laughs> we should do it next week, so we don't have to watch it again. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Rick uh, takes uh, Karen's virginity. They have sex under the bleachers. Gary goes to interfere, but I guess can't find them or something. 
Um, he's back at the burger place uh, by himself, uh, smoking and upset. Uh, they show up and he storms out. Um, we see uh, Rick being mean to Karen at school, telling her to get away from him, killing his vibe or whatever. Uh, Gary goes to check on her uh, to find out that she has become pregnant with Rick's child. Uh, Gary starts an altercation with Rick. They get in a big fight. Um, uh, Rick insists that um, she was uh, not a virgin in the first place. So how, how could you even know for sure that it is Rick's child? Um, this upsets Gary very even more, and they do get in a big fight. At some point, I don't know if they ever say, but apparently there's a big ski trip that they're supposed to go on. They don't ever Did say. Did they mention the ski trip? We just okay. hard we just hard cut to like Rick in a conversion van with like thirty other kids kissing some other he's, girl he, and Barry's. He's, he's kissing Rose now. Uh, yeah, um, uh, and uh, David's trying to get to the car and he can't because he's dropping all of his stuff and everybody's laughing oh, yeah. at him. And then. Yeah. Uh, and then we see that uh, Gary has taken it unto himself to uh, he's got the, the grandma's house that we heard about before has just mm-hmm. been empty uh, since his grandma died a year ago or something. Uh, he set that up as a nice place. They s- can say that they're on uh, the ski excursion. But in reality, they will use this place to recover in secret uh, because he is funding uh, Karen's abortion. Yeah, they're going to just live um, there for a week. Uh, Karen is going to have the procedure and recover there, and they're going to play house for a week, essentially. Max has censored me in the past when I try to talk about abortion movies, <laughs> so I'm surprised I'm allowed to talk about this one. I almost canceled um, <laughs> it. could have gone that way, but... Um, yeah, they uh, uh, Gary's like taking her to the clinic. Um, there's a really weird, mean lady explaining how much money. Oh, Max, do you want to tell us how much money? The oh, yeah, I would be? love to tell you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, he's got to pay $250 cash. Um, mm-hmm. This is like another thing where, I mean, obviously, like the 80s were not a super progressive time when it came to anything to do with female body autonomy. Um, but I this is definitely like something that gets kind of like lost in translation where he didn't bother to kind of change this, like how this is acting because it is treated like this is like a back door, like alleyway skeevy thing because the woman is like super insistent. It's like $250 cash, like be here, like you leave and then come back and she'll be ready and like whatever. And it's like very clearly taking place like, in a clinic with professionals, like right. everything's like taken care of. And I'm this lady's sh- just weird for no reason. Uh, yeah. I'm sure in like 19, when the scene plays out with a similar tone, but it's set in 1950s Tel Aviv is very different. Um, sure. but again, like you get that like kind of like lost in translation thing. So it's $250 cash, but in today's money, that's $762 and 48 cents. Damn. That's expensive. And I think the weirdest thing about the fact that there's so many injuries about it is that why are there so many instances of anyone asking for such specific amounts of money in this movie? Like, that's not (laughs) something that happens in scripts. Like, people kind of just, like, exchange money for things at times. And, like, the 250 for the abortion is one thing because 
Like, it's such a big, like, point of it. But, like, I didn't need to know that they David needed to pay fucking $4 for the fucking crab cream. Like, <laughs> why, why is this a thing that's, like, so... Yeah, and... Yeah, three ninety nine, and David writes it down explicitly in a notebook yeah. he keeps of all of his expenses and says what he paid for and how much it was. Insane that that's in there. I don't um, know. But yeah, su- super weird now. Uh, Karen is going through with the operation and the procedure, and it is um, shot in a very sobering, somber way, um, very clinical, very sterile, very kind of like matter of fact almost like in your face like maybe like trying to make some sort of like political statement about um like the entire process and how women should have more access to these sorts of things and how it can be a traumatizing event but like meanwhile like fucking think any of that. like fucking bruce springsteen is like playing over like yeah. it, it's some sort of like it, it's, it's it's like also the cars or something like it's wild like it's a weird it's like a popular 80s song it's also interspersed with gary going around just like finding stuff he can pawn to uh pay for this um, there's like such also, a there's such a disconnect from like the images that he's showing versus how it those images are then presented back where abso- it's like absolutely this is also the only time we see Karen naked in the movie she's not naked in her sex scene she earlier, is she's topless but, in the sex scene yeah oh is she yeah but okay but well, in it's this still scene, insane it, that she's you we see her boobs in this scene you see her as full, she's crying fully undressed because it's like as she's getting into insane, her like hospital dude. And I'm like, is this, like, do they think they're, like, doing me a favor by showing her naked in this setting? Do they think I want to see her in this situation? That's what I said. Like, Like, fuck, dude. if If you took everything out and just showed, like, the images of Karen, no music, no nothing, you'd think this is, like, again, some sort of, like, very serious, dramatic moment and like it feels so fucking bleak. Well, it is like a very serious dramatic it's thing. It's not necessarily like it's not presented with the gravity that something like this needs and it's coming at the end of a movie that it has no place coming at the end of for some like it just right. It's so out of left field for like this to be the way this movie ends. Well, speaking of out of left field, um yeah so karen's Karen's recovering and gary shows up to kind of comfort her dan can you please and i would to the best of your ability i want you to add some sort of context that would explain these items that gary has there's no way there's no way there's no way he's shown up to the doctors to the clinic Dan is dying laughing right now. Like I'm filling time, hoping that Dan comes back to us. Gary has shown up to the clinic post operation. The items he has to make to make Karen feel better, and he is holding two items. And Dan will now tell us what those two items are. Well, first of all, he has the money to pay for the abortion. He's made enough money. Oh, he had to borrow some money from uh, his pizza boss. Mm -hmm. He gets a cash. Kind of maybe forget was in the movie. Um, but, uh, the two items he has (laughs) are (laughs) a full grocery store size sack of oranges. (laughs) It's, it's like a 15 pound sack of oranges (laughs) and a tiny undecorated Christmas tree. (laughs) He's just dragging these around. (laughs) 
this is this is the thing that I'm like, bro. Is this this has to be? Is this anything from Israel? I don't I fucking don't, know. Don't know. Oh my god! But um, yeah, he shows up with those two items, and he's all excited. She's laying in bed recovering, and she turns and is happy to see him. And then we don't see the oranges or anything. They don't come anywhere. back. It's just gone. They haven't like made it back. Did he to, leave like, them there? I don't know. <laughs> Don't know, but then um, after that, we, they kind of like finish up their winter break by still kind of like I said, playing house in uh, Gary's dead grandma's house. He keeps his shirt off the whole time they're at the grandma's house. Uh, it's really weird. Um, at one point, she's asleep and her shirt is like come up, and he like really gingerly pulls it down while she's sleeping. Yeah, we're kind of seeing and then they- goes and lays on the couch. Gary's a respectful, thoughtful person, um, even though he clearly has um, uh, expects more from women than he he should for his actions. Uh, right. Um, but like he, he, he it's, uh, it's showing that he it's just like a, another moment to like really emphasize that like he cares about Karen. Like this is somebody yeah. that he does have genuine I mean, he affection has- for. He doesn't know her well enough to be this in love with her, but no. I mean, at least he uh, does have what what he thinks are genuine feelings. He thinks he's uh, doing good things, and I mean, he has helped her in a huge way. So, at the, at this point, she thanks him for helping. Uh, he confesses uh, he loves her. Uh, I don't think she says she loves him too, but she uh, they do kiss, and uh, he's like, oh. That's it. This is my girlfriend now. Uh, she she says her birthday is on Saturday. Uh, he's like, oh, my God, your birthday? Like, yeah, I'm having a party. He's like, oh, am I invited? She says, that's a silly question. <laughs> and it, it seems like it seems like she means no, you're not. It's silly you would think you get to come. But um, so, yeah, I don't know. He shows back up to his house with his skis and stuff and uh, has to deal with his mom giving him a hard time for not sending a postcard because uh, David's mom got four postcards. It seems like they're only gone for a weekend, so don't don't know why he sent him multiple a day. <laughs> um, David's a freak like that. Uh, somehow, despite having spent all of his money on the abortion, uh, he buys her an $80 necklace. Max, how much would that necklace cost now? Don't know. It's not in any of the IMDb things for some reason. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, he buys her some sort of like heart pendant and insists it be engraved before the party on Saturday because it's a gift for his girlfriend. I think he wants it to say uh, um, to Karen with love or something like that. Uh, no idea where he got this money since he used all this money. Uh to get the baby gone um two hundred and sixty dollars oh thank you yeah, found an inflation change. calculator <laughs> oh good uh so the time has come it's karen's birthday party uh he uh he uh oh i don't even know. He, he just sees david he asks where karen's at he's got this box ready to give her the present victor laughs at him for having a present or whatever yeah and uh, he opens again, the kitchen Victor, door. Victor proves to be the coolest guy in the movie. Oh yeah, I mean Victor and David. I mean legit cool guys. Yeah, dude. Victor's got a huge, see a movie huge about hog, them. and David gets yeah. his in too. <laughs> like, yeah. David got to fuck that old lady. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, he opens the uh, kitchen door and sees uh, uh, Karen uh, making out with Rick. She's gone back, gone back to him. Uh, he sees this and uh, she sees uh, him. They 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 lock eyes. Rick stops making out, turns around, also locks eyes. Uh, Tears welling up, uh, he silently retreats out of the room. They they linger on this for a long time. Yeah, and uh, the movie ends as he is uh, sobbing, crying, ho- uh, driving home. Yeah, it, I mean, and there's like, I mean, there's like legitimately so much emotional depth to infer in that moment. Obviously, like Gary has. I think it's all accidental, though. Like it, it. I, I don't mean, think it might that the be. filmmakers put this in on purpose. You know. But I think they they do. I I think it it because it is like from you know shot for shot lemon popsicle, which is like a highly regarded Israeli film. Like I think these are all intentional things. It's just you have so much lost in translation and so much weird stuff trying to adapt it to an American audience. Like when you leave the stuff in, that is more of those like heady moments. Like they're still there. They just the reason they feel unintentional is that at least in my opinion is that it's be, they're so they feel so out of place um compared to the rest of the movie but like just like i mean there's like all that there of just like gary clearly had he thinks karen is his girlfriend at this moment um like just like the look at karen's face is like she's happy to see gary but it's very clearly just as a friend because she did not get any of you know what gary got from their interaction uh it was just a friend helping a friend in her mind uh rick's obviously happy to see his best friend because he has no idea what has gone on uh, or at least has limited understanding they got in a fight yeah but like not like necessarily the aftermath of when he was away on the ski trip um right so it is insane and then yeah for it to just leave with gary silently leaving this party and then we linger on him as he drives the pizza car home inside in america an american movie that wanted to do the same thing where it's like no it's actually bleak it went bad for this guy like the folly of his ways like the the cooler uh, more charismatic guy is going to get the girl it would end in like a big flashier way if this was an american movie it would end with like him trying to kill himself or something and then like mm-hmm. like rick saving his life and then uh they decide they are friends at the end or something like yeah. that like uh i mean or maybe i mean you go uh dead poet society and it just does end with him I'm, killing himself i'm trying himself, to think but... of like something that's like similar and I, I feel like the only, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's like, an, I, I can think of an American movie that kind of ends in a similar way to this with like the one I mean, similar, like exactly the same themes or something like that. I'm trying to remember what happens with Jennifer Jason Lee after she gets her abortion and well, that doesn't, and it's not really the same cause she's the main, she's kind of the most main character. Because the the thing Maybe we should have watched this with the fast times. Because <laughs> the thing that immediately came to mind when you started kind of making this same, like this comparison was um, Birdman, but like that, you know, like that's a movie about a person being kind of consumed by their environment, um, both like externally and internally, and kind of 
falling to their own sort of mental shortcomings in a way. And it ends with him attempting to commit suicide as he imagines himself becoming the superhero that he played and flying off into the sunset. Uh, you know, I mean, it definitely right. ends on a very somber note, but like that is um, certainly far flashier than this. <laughs> right. And like, that's, they're both American movies play like directed by foreign filmmakers. Um, so it's wild. I'm going to rewatch Fast Times. <laughs> especially, <laughs> especially again, like this is entirely presented outside of two, three scenes as a 1981 high school sex comedy. Right. That. Just having fun, trying to get laid. Yeah, it's like. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Inexplainable. Uh, uh, as like a, I often will say that I like movies uh, because they're like funny despite what they're trying to do. I mean, uh, the room is like the classic example of like obviously it's bad, but it becomes funny because of how bad it is. I mean, this one I get some enjoyment out of that I didn't think I was going to because I mean it's a really bad movie if you're just looking at this as a movie. Uh. I don't think that a lot of the stuff is intentional. That's crazy. So instead I'm just watching this from like an outside way of like, I can't believe they're doing that. Like sure, it, yeah. it's blowing my mind that they're doing that. Some stuff is so absurd choices that it's like fun and funny. Um, that's how I feel about this one, at least personally, but still managed to give both of these three stars. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're definitely something. Um, I haven't gotten around to like actively rating them as of uh, us recording this because I, you know, watched them on a shorter time frame, uh, having Ali up here and stuff. But it, they're not unenjoyable movies if you are somebody who can get past the fact that they're horrifically problematic by today's standards. And, um, you know, Last American Virgin is kind of weird, but. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, Last American Virgin also very problematic. Yeah, no, they both are. They both, they both absolutely yeah. are. Um, uh, so I don't know. It's hey, you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, next week, <laughs> <laughs> you can't all be winners, huh? Yeah, they can't all be fucking perfect. Um, next week we are going to the nineties, baby. Uh, going back to some might say our roots our glory days, our heydays, uh, watching what might end up being some like just schlocky ass, uh, 1990s action movies. At least one of them will be, uh, murder at 1600 starring Wesley Snipes and absolute power, which is in, uh, I guess kind of early Clint Eastwood directorial film. Uh, both. No, that's not early, early ish. Earlier, he's been directing since like the seventies. Well, eh? good for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can figure it out next week yeah. either way. <laughs> Earlier, or not bring it up again. A middle career Clint Eastwood <laughs> film. Uh, both films center around a Washington D.C. murder investigation involving the president slash at the White House. Um, so hopefully there will be 
some some laughs in there. I'm I'm hoping Murder at 1600 is a goofy kind of Air Force One knockoff, uh, except completely grounded and in a house. And uh, that Absolute Power is an actual good movie made by somebody who is arguably a good uh, filmmaker with a good cast. But for now, we've been Doubled Feature. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you'd like to follow us on social media, we are at Doubled Feature on uh, most platforms. Um, You can also send an email to doubledfeaturepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow Dan and myself both on Letterboxd and Twitter. Dan is at Danny Jankum. I am at Mac underscore dead. Uh, Twitter is jokes and a lot of sports stuff right now during the seasons. Uh, but if you follow us on Letterboxd, uh, you're going to see all of our reviews and stuff of stuff we've been watching that we don't talk about on the podcast necessarily and reviews and things like that ahead of time before the, the episodes come out. Um, We'd like to thank Ryan at Ryan Laser for our theme music and Sam at Hero Institute for our little logo. Uh, please read Sam's webcomic Life of a Stepdad over on his Twitter, as well as uh, the webcomic Sam and I do together, uh, Nerds Day. It's a Dungeons and Dragons webcomic, which ugh, if you've been following that, we might start getting sued here. You never know. Um, but please rate, subscribe, review the podcast uh, wherever you can. It'll help us grow our audience and uh, we would really appreciate it. Dan, do you have any last words for everybody? Yeah. I just want everybody to kind of think outside the box when you're uh, bringing gifts to uh, the love of your life after you've funded uh, their uh, abortion from your best friend's child. Don't, I mean, you don't have to do pine tree and oranges every time you could go like mistletoe and a bag of grapefruits guys. Just, I mean, keep it, keep it maybe like a maybe like a a bonsai and a bushel of apples Uh. a bong and a blitz yeah (laughs) give me anything